G'day, g'day! Welcome to Game Day with Gabe. I'm your host, Gabe the Babe, and you're about to get an insight to the college football world. What's up, fans of the BYU Cougars, who got a win against Arkansas 38-31? More coming on that later. But anyways, welcome to Game Day with Gabe, and I am so happy that BYU beat Arkansas on the road. It was a big-time win in SEC country. You don't just waltz in there and win. It was a very special performance by BYU, and I will share more about it. This podcast, I'm going to talk about Puka Nakua's amazing NFL performance. I'm going to talk about BYU's amazing win at Arkansas, and some upsets, some, some potential upsets that could have happened this week in college football. And there's some good matchups coming up. I think there's at least five ranked-on-ranked games, and it's going to be a fun week. So, to start things off, BYU went into SEC country at Arkansas, at Fayetteville in Arkansas, and they got a win 38-31 in front of 75,000 Arkansas fans. And it just feels so good to get a win and stay undefeated and get a big-time win to earn the respect of your Big 12 teammates. Now, people were thinking BIU is a slouch. They're not going to do that well. Uh, those, who had, those who kept their faith in BIU, good job, because now we're 3-0, and and we're ready to start Big 12 play. That's when we play conference opponents in the Big 12, and it's when we compete for the Big 12 championship and chances to make it to the playoff. So far, BIU has had the dream start. I mean, the first two games were all right. They were decent. A win's a win. And they helped us warm up and get ready for Arkansas. I really don't think Arkansas saw what BYU had. They saw that coming. I think that BYU prepared some things on defense, and uh, they did just enough on offense. It was the defense, to be honest, that really won BYU's game for them. So, how we did it. One of them was definitely our pass rush. Um, BYU's pass rush looked actually legit against Arkansas. We got pressure on uh, KJ Jefferson 50% of the time and got a lot of, uh, quite a few sacks. Um, Max Tooley had a great game by getting pressure on uh, KJ Jefferson, who's definitely a run threat. He's a dual threat quarterback, which means he's dangerous at running the ball and he's got a big, strong body, which is able to get past defenders. It's a definitely dangerous weapon. And he's also a very accurate passer, unless he's under pressure. And studies have shown that when he's under pressure, he throws the ball inaccurately and usually results in interceptions. And that happened Saturday. When BYU uh, formulated their defensive plan, Jay Hill was looking at those stats, watching the film, and since they came prepared, they sent out four, five, six guys um, to get pressure on KJ Jefferson, and it worked because they kept the time of possession with the ball a lot, but they were not doing much things. And BYU's defense, their pass rush, they had so much success that Arkansas had to start holding our players, and they got many holding penalties on their offensive linemen, which definitely helped us because it delayed and pushed back their drives. Uh, Tyler Batty and John Nelson, uh, Max Tooley, uh, big guys who like really good get good pressure on 
uh, KJ Jefferson, and Eddie Heckard at cornerback. Even he was in for a blitz one time, got a strip sack late in the game to definitely help our chances of winning. And it was a timely strip sack. So kudos to BYU's defense, and specifically their pass rush, for getting pressure on the quarterback. Another thing I need to mention is the X factor in this game. Last podcast on Friday, I said BYU's X factor would be the third downs. Could BYU stop Arkansas on the third down plays and compete in this game, or would they let Arkansas push them over, just like last year, and score a bajillion points on them? KJ Jefferson looked like Superman last game against BYU, but now he looked mortal. And I think BYU's defense did a great job. Another thing I'd like to talk about was Keaton Slovis had a good game. He find he found uh, Isaac Rex uh, most of the time. He didn't find many wide receivers because Arkansas had them pretty well pretty well covered. But I, Isaac Rex had uh, over a hundred yards receiving, and he was a reliable target who was really good to have in the passing game. He had a one-handed catch. Uh, with, we stretched out one of his hands and set us up at the five-yard line for a great catch. It was a really good play by Keaton Slovis, who was not afraid to step up in the pocket. I think that he had a great game, 167 yards, a quarterback rating of 70.6, two touchdowns, no interceptions. So when you look at it that way, it's not a bad game because he was efficiently spreading the ball. And LJ Martin had a great running game too. 23 carries for 77 yards, an average of 3.3 yards, and two touchdowns. He also had a 45-yard run for a touchdown. That really helped us. So Arkansas went up 14-0 at the start of this game on a punt return and a 55-yard rushing touchdown. And that kind of sucked the life out of BYU. Some fans didn't think we'd have a chance. And BYU players, they stayed strong. I think that we rallied on offense with Aaron Roderick. He called one trick play where uh, Keaton Slovis threw it lateral backwards behind to Parker Kingston. And since you haven't thrown the ball forward yet, you're still you're still eligible to throw the ball forward downfield. So he had Deion Smith running wide open at the 10-yard line. Parker Kingston hit him on a dot, and he went straight into the end zone untouched. And it was a perfect play call. That went up uh, 7-14 to Arkansas. BYU played defense, uh, got a stop, and then we got a 45-yard rushing touchdown with LJ Martin. The lead blocker on that rushing touchdown was Kingsley Soamatea, our left tackle. And he had a great block on a couple defenders that really set up a hole for LJ Martin to run through. And he used his speed and game IQ to get us the touchdown. That had a... that tied up things 14 all. Arkansas did have a rally after that. First, BYU scored another touchdown to go up 21-14 off Isaac Rex's one-handed grab. Set us up at the five-yard line, and then LJ Martin punched it in. We went up 2014. Arkansas, they had a rally call. They scored 17 unanswered points off some BYU turnovers like fumbles, they had a field goal, they had a couple touchdowns with passing plays and guys wide open, and some faults on BYU, they scored 17 straight points, and they were up 31-21 to by the time the fourth quarter had started. So, BYU could have given up then. They could have given up and let Arkansas take the game away and take it back. But we rallied again, kicked a field goal with Will Farron, transferred from Boise State, 
his first field goal of the year, which is really good. Uh, we got a passing touchdown to Parker Kingston from Keaton Slovis. Parker Kingston had a great game. One for one passing for 37 yards and a touchdown on that trick play. And then also three receptions for 46 yards, an average of 15 yards, 15 yards and one touchdown. So all in all, we had a really good game. I think offense could have definitely been better, like our offensive line could have protected Keaton Slovis. He was under pressure a lot. However, our run game was decently successful, and considering what we started off against Sam Houston, we've definitely improved a lot. We also made the most of every opportunity that we have in this game. When Arkansas had the ball with two minutes left, BYU had just missed a, an icing field goal. So we had the ball uh, about the 30-yard line. We attempted a 40-yard field goal to go up 41-31, and it did not work. Before the field goal, uh, let me rewind a bit. Chase Roberts had an unreal one-handed touchdown catch that put us up 38-31. It was number one on Center. You could find it everywhere. ESPN was playing it over and over, and it was just one of those Odell catches behind the head. Just one hand, grabs it down, reels it in for a BYU touchdown. We go up 38-31. And I think that play brought the hate, the not the hate, the hope for BYU, uh, the loyalty, the faith, and the love. And that's what we needed to win the game. Arkansas players got a little demoralized on defense after that. We still stepped up and made it enough plays to win the game. 41-31 would have been a nice cushion, but BYU's kicker missed the field goal. So it went back to 38-31, and Arkansas had the ball with thirty, uh, a minute 30 seconds to drive uh, 75 yards and score a touchdown. And they had some good passing plays that set them up in prime position. But on a third down and long, because of holding penalties that pushed them back, they had a Really bad throw from K.J. Jefferson that went way in the air, right into the hands of Jacob Robinson, and he missed the interception, which would have, it would have won the game. Sorry. He dropped the ball, and BYU didn't get the interception. It went right through his hands. Guy had to do push-ups after the game for not catching that. Would have put the game away. Instead, Arkansas converts on a 4th and 18, and uh, just... Just not pleasant to see BYU fall apart like that, and I honestly thought that Arkansas would go down and score a touchdown. However, we got some more holding penalties on Arkansas, and it pushed them back to about the 25 or 30-yard line with five seconds left. They had one more play to attempt. BYU got pressure on KJ Jefferson, and they got him out of rhythm. They got a hit on him, and then he threw the ball to an offensive lineman who was ineligible, and that won the game. Time ran out, and BYU won 38-31. The fans went crazy. The players went crazy. The coaching staff went crazy. Everyone watching around the world from BYU Nation went crazy. And it was such a good win. Went into SEC country, beat Arkansas, and earned the respect of our Big 12 rivals. And we're going to have a season of, hopefully, success. 6-6, six and six, we should... We should get that after beating a team like Arkansas. Hopefully, BYU doesn't scramble, uh, get too cocky, and choke the next game, lay an absolute goose egg like they did last year. Last year, we beat Baylor in double overtime, 
and that was a big win for us. We went at Oregon and then got destroyed, and we just laid an egg because we were too cocky and we weren't humble. Hopefully, we can stay humble this time and get a big win against Kansas next Saturday. That'll be at 1.30 on ESPN. Both teams are undefeated. Both teams are 3-0. So, it should be a good game to check out. I really would check that game out if you're available. Some other things I'd like to talk about besides BYU's amazing win were some upsets in college football. Oh yeah, we had some good ones. Some notable ones that I'd like to share with you um, were uh, BYU, Missouri. Missouri beat Kansas State, number 15 ranked Kansas State, on a 61-yard game-winning field goal. That's pretty rare that you see that in college. Nowadays, uh, people don't really kick 61-yard field goals in college, maybe in the NFL occasionally. But to win a game on a walk-off field goal in college at home against Kansas State, who's ranked 15 in the country, that's definitely a special moment. So there's an upset right there. Florida beat number 11, Tennessee, and not many people saw that coming. I called this Gabe's game, and for a good reason. Florida got the upset. It was a big-time win for them. It definitely put them in contention for SEC play because, well, it's a conference game playing Tennessee, and that will actually give them lots of momentum going forward. So it will definitely help Florida to get that win against Tennessee. They did 29-16, to and they're 2-1 and now. So Florida's doing decent now that they beat Tennessee. Tennessee still has a chance, though. Uh, they can make up for their losses, basically, if they run the table which is pretty hard to do. Those were the upsets in college football. The near upsets were many in number. For example, Alabama, Georgia, um, uh, Florida State, Texas, Colorado. Um, I'll share with you some individual ones. Florida State won 31-29 against Boston College, barely got the win there. Georgia won 24-14. They were down 10-14 at the half against South Carolina. At home, I'm pretty sure. Yes, it was at home. Uh, Texas won 31 to 10, but it was tied 10 to 10 in the fourth quarter. See, Wyoming definitely had a chance to pull off the upset. Tied 10 to 10 in the fourth quarter on the road at Austin, Texas. That's definitely a chance. Texas did pull away and they won by a solid 21 point margin. Colorado versus Colorado State. This was an amazing game. ESPN Game Day chose the right game to go to because there were eyeballs all around the world wanting to tune in and watch this game. In front of 53,000 fans in Boulder, Colorado, Colorado State came to play. Up against their old-time rival, Colorado State defies all the odds from ESPN College Game Day and all the Colorado fans there. 53,000 fans looking on for primetime on Deion Sanders. Colorado State jumps out to a lead. Colorado ties it up. It's 14-all by the half. And then, during the second quarter, nobody scores besides Colorado State. The third quarter, nobody scores. It's 21-14 to to Colorado State at the start of the fourth. And at this point, the Colorado fans are starting to get worried. Why? Also, Travis Hunter got injured and was hospitalized in the second quarter. He took a big hit to the face and to the body, to the to the lower ribs. 
Um, it was such a gnarly hit. Colorado State really got him, and he was hospitalized, actually. Uh, Mid-game, uh, mid-third quarter, Colorado fans got the memo that Travis Hunter was at the hospital, and that's not good. They were angry. And this is what were their rally call was. They scored 14 points to Colorado State's 7 in the fourth quarter. How they did this? Colorado State went up 28-17. to And it was even more of a tough situation for Colorado. Then they had the ball with five minutes left, and it was a third down for Colorado State. And they needed just to get a stop. Colorado State got a first down, and they kept the clock moving. They kept the chains going. After all that, Colorado State ended up with a punt to Colorado. They got the ball with a minute and 30 left to go drive the length of the field. They were at their own two-yard line. They had to drive 98 yards in 90 seconds to tie the game, and they had to get a two-point conversion. The odds were not in their favor. At this point, it was a 97% chance that Colorado State would win. Against all odds, Shadur Sanders comes out, son of Deion Sanders, primetime and Neon Dion, and he comes out, leads a game-winning drive while throwing really good passes and making smart plays. His wide receivers were getting the ball. They were catching and getting out of bounds securely. He had one really big play, and that was the 40-yard touchdown to one of his wide receivers who made it in the end zone for the touchdown with 26 seconds left. And that's what did it. Colorado fans went nuts, but not until they'd got the two-point conversion. On the two-point conversion, Colorado State rushed everyone. They rushed everyone. They rushed eight people and left everyone else back in man coverage. Well, it almost worked, but Shadur Sanders found his tight end, and no, pardon, his wide receiver, Xavier Weaver, wide open in the end zone for the conversion, and they got the tie. So, it was 28-28 to at the end of regulation. Colorado, against all odds, had come back without Travis Hunter, with Coach Prime and Shadur Sanders, Shiloh Sanders, to cornerback, who'd got a pick six earlier. In this scrum, Colorado elects to receive the ball first after winning the coin toss for overtime. That's strange because not many teams receive the ball first. Most people will think it's an advantage to go second so you know either to kick a field goal or to get a touchdown if you need to. But they elected to go first because I think Coach Sanders likes to change the game and he likes to set his own reputation. He is definitely a new face in college football, new face for coaches. And he has a new style to the game. That's what fans like. Colorado fans like it. They got a touchdown and went up 35-28. Colorado State matched it with the help of Horton, number 14 on Colorado State. He's a wide receiver. He absolutely carried Colorado State. He had 10 receptions for over 100 yards. And Colorado State matched it 35-all. Colorado chose to once again get the ball first. This was a bold move. But they did it successfully. After a few penalties on Colorado State, they got an easy touchdown. And since it's double overtime, you have to go for two. So they did, and they got it. 43-35. After all that, Colorado State could not string together a successful drive to get 25 yards, and they ended up losing in double overtime. Well, Colorado fans stormed the field, and they were so happy for their team, but also sad that Travis Hunter was lost. And he will be out a few weeks. But it was an amazing game, a great game to watch. It went till 12.30 Mountain Time pretty late, or should I say pretty early, because it was.
Also, there were some embarrassing night, embarrassing games for Arizona State and Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State was playing at home against South Alabama, and they lost 33-6. Really not good. Arizona State was playing at home to Fresno State. They got shut out at home 29-0. They were on their fourth-string quarterback by the end. Just a miserable performance by Arizona State and Colorado State. Not Colorado State, pardon, Oklahoma State. Colorado State almost got the W against Colorado, which would have been a huge upset. Anyways, some good games and some letdowns by Arizona State and Oklahoma State. Arizona State was on their four-string quarterback, Jacob Conover. If you recognize that name, that's probably because he played at BYU. He was BYU's third string and backup quarterback during some years ago. Just last year, or two years ago, he was at BYU, and he was doing pretty well. Then he decided he wanted to start at quarterback and get some playing time, but here he is starting at Arizona State, and they got shut out 29-0. They had seven turnovers on Fresno State. That's just embarrassing, and so many interceptions. So those were some embarrassing days from those teams. In the NFL, I have one stat to share and it's about Pukunikua. If you haven't already seen Pukunikua's stats this NFL game, you need to check them out. Pukunikua got one amazing game. With Matthew Stafford throwing to him, playing against the Niners defense, he wasn't projected to do all that great at all. Well, as a rookie in his second game, he got 15 catches. 15 catches. I'm just going to let that sink in. That's about double or triple the amount of an average wide receiver game. And he's doing this as his second game as a rookie without Cooper Cup. A rookie is amazing. 147 yards. That's just incredible. He was their go-to target. And I think Puka Nakua is the Rams wide receiver one. And he will be a wide receiver one or wide receiver two when Cooper Cup comes back. Those two are going to be... An absolutely dynamic duo. I think Pukuniku is going to have a great career. If he's starting off this well as a rookie, then he's going to have a great career with the Los Angeles Rams. So go Puka. I'm happy for him. In the college football rankings, BYU was receiving some votes after knocking off Arkansas. They weren't actually in the rankings, but it was still a definite upset. I'll read the rankings out, and there were some... There were some new faces that got in and some old faces that may have dropped out. So, BYU did alright in the rankings. I will share them. Number one, we have Georgia still. Number two, we have Michigan. Number three, we have Texas. Number four, we have Florida State. All four of those teams are all 3-0, and but these are how the rankings have shaken out right now. Number five is USC. USC has done really well, but they have yet to face a serious test, so we don't know about them yet. Ohio State is number six, number seven is Penn State, number eight is Washington, number nine is Notre Dame, and number 10 is Oregon. All of those top 10 teams are 4-0 or 3-0. The only 4-0 team is Notre Dame, and they're going to play against Ohio State this week. That'll be a nine versus a number six. What a great game to check out. I'm so excited to see how that game plays out. 
It'll be Ohio State at Notre Dame. They'll be returning the favor from last year. It should be a really, really good one. Utah is at number 11. LSU's at number 12. Alabama's dropped down all the way to number 13. They've dropped out of the top 10 after an embarrassing game against South Florida. Yes, they won 17-3, but they should have won at least by 50 points. Let's be honest. South Florida's not that great of a team, and they should have Jalen Milrow or Tyler Beckner having great games. They've got so much talent everywhere and great coaching. I'm surprised to see Alabama not doing so well. They might get it back, though. I think they will get it back once they find SEC play. Jalen Milrow might become the starter again. He's a Lamar Jackson, a definite threat in the run game. And if he can work on his passing game, he'll be a great quarterback, I think. BYU is receiving votes behind, let's see, Clemson 26, Missouri 27 after getting the big upset. 28 to 9, 30. 35 is where BYU stands in the rankings. And they're getting three votes to be in the top 25. So I'm happy for the Kooks. If we can knock off Kansas, which is definitely a winnable game, after Kansas only won 31 to 24 against Nevada last week, I think BYU could jump in the rankings. Assuming all things go in their favor and some other teams lose, we could actually be inside the top 20 in the rankings. And then say we win against Cincinnati, like we definitely should, because they lost to Miami, Ohio, also an embarrassing loss. Then we could legitimately climb into the top 20 of the rankings, and maybe the top 15. We could be 5-0 and and undefeated. Looking at a bye week coming up, BYU will be in prime position to make a bowl game. 5-0? and That would be a dream start to BYU's year. It's actually possible. Say we get a crazy win against Kansas which is possible. I'd say we have a 35-40% to 40% chance of getting the win against Kansas. However, there's a good chance of us laying an egg and getting beat bad. But I think we win Cincinnati, and if we can beat Kansas, we start 5-0. and Even if we don't, that's 4-1, and and we're looking at a realistic 6-6 and or 7-5 and year, which would be amazing. The tables have turned for BYU ever since we beat Arkansas, and because of that win, Our outlook for the 2023 football season definitely changes in our favor, and it's great. I'm going to share with you now my Big 12 power rankings. I came up with these myself based on how each team in the Big 12 is faring and how each team will start to do as we enter Big 12 play. We've had one game so far, and that was TCU at Houston. TCU absolutely dominated them, 36-13. That technically puts them at the top of the official rankings. These are my power rankings based on who I think the best teams are and who has the best chance of making the Big 12 championship. So, here we go. At number one, we have Texas. I say Texas because they've beat Alabama and they have a quality resume and the star power and coaching needed to make a serious playoff run, not just Big 12 championship. They could make a playoff run. If they run the table, or even if they get one loss, they still have a good chance, and they're getting recognition. Number two, behind them, close behind them, is Oklahoma. Oklahoma could easily take the number one spot if they were to beat Texas in the Red River rivalry later this year. I think that those two teams are the clear-cut number two teams. It's both their last years in the Big 12 as they head for the SEC next year. That's when we get Utah, Arizona State, Arizona, and Colorado. 
And Colorado is going to be a great addition with Deion Sanders. I'm so happy the Big 12 is getting them. The number three team on my rankings is TCU. This is, a, this is a surprise for some people, but the way that I've seen TCU play since that Colorado loss has definitely been solid and positive. They've been able to run the ball efficiently and play great defense. And the way they played against Colorado was a great game. It's just Colorado that had a really special moment that day, and I think TCU is still a solid team. I think they deserve the number three spot in the Big 12 power rankings. I guess it's one of my hot takes. We'll see how that goes. Number four, Kansas State. Yes, Kansas State did just lose on a walk-off field goal at Missouri. I think they've still got one of the best rosters, best complete rosters in the Big 12, and they're contending for a Big 12 championship. Because they haven't lost any games in Big 12 play yet, I think they'd be fine if they run the table, they could actually make a playoff. So Kansas State definitely deserves my number four spot. At the number five spot, I have UCF. Why I say UCF is number five? They've been playing really great offense and good defense too. They scored 48 points to zero points in their last game. Just an amazing performance. They had their backup quarterback in and still put up 48 points on them. So I think their offense is explosive. And if their defense can improve, then they could be a contender in the Big 12 championship too. I think those five teams, maybe just the top four, but those five teams will probably be the most realistic contenders for the Big 12 championship, with UCF being one of the dark horses. At number six, we got the BYU Cougars, baby. Why I think BYU is the number six team is because we've beat Arkansas, and I just shared why 5-0 could be a realistic start for BYU. If we have a successful conference play, then I think we'd be a realistic number six spot, and it'd be lit for Cougs fans. A great first year in the Big 12. We could be looking at a 7-5, maybe even an 8-4 year in the Big 12. That would be supreme. That would be unheard of for a first-year team in the Big 12, and it's just getting out of independence. I think this would be a huge success for the BYU Cougars. On the flip side, we could also go 3-9 and nine and lose all our conference games. It's a definite chance, and it was just maybe a fluke against Arkansas. Maybe Arkansas is just a really bad team who's had really bad coaching, and BYU does not deserve and they were just getting lucky all the time. Maybe that happens. BYU goes 3-9, and nine, and we go back to our Sam Houston play. That could happen. But I think that BYU is better than that. I think we get 7-5 and five year. And number. They think I think we deserve a number 6 in the power rankings. You got to agree with that. Number 7, we have Kansas. Kansas has started 3-0. and oh, And they would be higher than BYU. Except for the fact that they edged out a win against Nevada only won by a touchdown late in the game. And I think that BYU gets the advantage over that because beating Arkansas in SEC country is a bigger time win. And that's Kansas for you. They've got Jalen Daniels. He is a fast, athletic, strong arm, a great quarterback for Kansas. He'll be a tough matchup for BYU. Number eight, we have Texas Tech. Texas Tech's still a really good team, even though they dropped one early at Wyoming. And Wyoming's not bad themselves. They almost beat Texas. So I think Texas Tech is a solid team. They'll probably have a solid Big 12 play. Number nine, I have West Virginia. 
West Virginia is coming off a win in the backyard brawl against Pittsburgh at home. They won 17-6. Their defense played really well, and I think it will hold up for them in the Big 12. Number 10, I have Baylor. Baylor is uh, definitely on the lower end because they've been playing pretty poorly in their games, and they've had some upsets. They've had losses. They almost beat Utah. That's why I'm giving them a higher ranking than some teams. They showed some potential against Utah with their good defense. They held Utah to six points in the first 40, I want to say 58 minutes of the game. They held Utah to six points. Only in the last two minutes did they let them score two touchdowns. So I'll give respect to Baylor. Number 11, we have Cincinnati. Cincinnati is also a newbie in the Big 12 with potential, but they've also got inexperienced players. I'd give them an 11. Uh, Number 12, we have Iowa State. Iowa State's just uh, lacked, lacked a good game so far to prove themselves. I just don't see Iowa State having gotten all that great year. Probably a solid year, and they might pull off some upsets in the Big 12, but I'd give them a number 12 ranking. At number 13, we have Houston. Houston's just mm, meh. They lost 13-36 to against TCU. I'll give them a 13 ranking. And last, Oklahoma State. Just losing 33-6 to against South Alabama is asking to go 0-9 in conference play for the Big 12. I don't see Oklahoma State doing too well this year. Sorry, Cowboys, but that's just what my predictions are. Now, I'm going to share with you some upcoming big games in college football and the ones that you need to check out. And then, I will share with you some college pick'em. There are six doozies this week in college football that I'd like to share with you. Five of them are ranked against rigged opponents. That is an unbelievable stat. These are some doozies right here. First up, we have FSU at Clemson. Now, as you know, this is obviously ranked on ranked. This game will be number three, number four, Florida State at number... Clemson's not ranked, my bad. Number four, Florida State at unranked Clemson. But Clemson was receiving votes... And they're definitely a team capable of pulling off the upset. I think Clemson pulls off the upset in this one. The next game is Colorado at Oregon. This will be number 19 at number 10. Number 19, Colorado Buffaloes at number 10, Oregon Ducks. Saturday at 1.30 on ABC. Prime time with prime time, baby. UCLA at Utah. That's number 22 at number 11. We have Ole Miss at Alabama. That's number 15 at number 13. That'll be 1.30 on CBS. Ooh, prime time. Oregon State at Wazoo, the Pac-2 championship, as you all know, because Pac-12, it's now the Pac-2. So it's the Pac-2 championship. That'll be at uh, 3 o'clock p.m. on uh, a TV channel. It'll be number 14 against number 21. That game, and... OSU at Notre Dame, number six at number nine. That'll be also an amazing game. Prime time on ABC. And so we've got six doozies of games that I just shared with you. So you have to check them out. And I have a hard time picking Gabe's game because all six of them would be capable. And college game day is going to have a hard time choosing where they go to. There's some good ones on ABC, ESPN, CBS, Fox, 
all the major TV networks getting their share in this Saturday because on opening week of the Big 12 play and some great games around the country, it's opening weeks of their conference plays too, we've got some doozies and you got to check them out. Now I'm going to make my predictions for who's going to win them. My Gabe the Babe daily, uh, weekly, pardon, weekly insights to who's going to do well. So college pick them. This is the spread picks. I'm picking on the spread. First up, Rutgers at number two, Michigan. The spread is 25.5 to Michigan. I'm picking Rutgers to cover, of course. Number 16, Oklahoma Sooners at Cincinnati Bearcats. I think Oklahoma covers a spread of 14.5 to them. Number 19, Colorado Buffaloes at number 10, Oregon Ducks. This spread is 20.5. That is definitely capable. Our Oregon's not going to win by more than 20.5. I think Colorado either wins or they lose by less than 20.5. Colorado any day. I'll take that spread. That's easy. Number 22, UCLA at number 11, Utah. This spread is 5.5 to Utah. I'm going to pick UCLA on this one. Hopefully they get the upset victory too. We will see though, because Utah's without their starting quarterback, Cam Rising, still injured. Number 15, Ole Miss at number 13, Alabama. This spread is 6.5 to Alabama. I think Ole Miss covers the spread on this one. Number 3, Texas Longhorns at Baylor Bears. The spread's only 14.5. I think Texas can cover this one. They haven't been doing a great job at covering, at putting up lots of points. I think they will on this game. Number 6, Ohio State at number 9, Notre Dame. The spread is 3.5 to Ohio State. I actually think that Notre Dame is going to win outright at home, so I'm big in Notre Dame for this one, to win and cover. Iowa at Penn State, 13.5 to Penn State. I reckon Penn State covers. Number five, USC at Arizona State. I would pick uh, USC to cover a spread at 50 if they had one. Arizona State's just been playing really bad. This spread's 33.5. I think USC's got such an explosive offense that they will cover. And finally, California Golden Bears at number 8, Washington Huskies, with Michael Penix Jr. and maybe the best offense in the country right here. I think Washington's been so explosive, and they've shown so well. But will they uh, fare well against a real test? We will see later on. Spreads 21.5 to Washington. I think Washington definitely wins and covers this game. Now, on to my regular picks. We've got some doozies. Auburn Tigers at Texas A&M. I'm picking A&M to win this one. I think with the home field advantage and uh, some revenge on their mind, I think they beat a, a, weak, Arcan- not a weak Auburn Tigers team that's not uh, doing so well with injuries. But Auburn's a really solid team with Hugh Freeze. I just think they have uh, injuries plagued right now, and Texas A&M will probably get the win. Florida State at Clemson. I'm picking Clemson for the upset for this one. UCLA at Utah. I'm picking UCLA to actually get the upset on this one, too. We will see. Ole Miss at Alabama. Again, I'm going with the upset on the road. I've picked so many upsets so far. This is amazing. Again, BYU Cougars at Kansas Jayhawks. Looks like 28% of people picked BYU on this one. I'm picking BYU outright. I think we are capable of getting the win. Fingers crossed we don't lay an egg and lose this one. Number 14, Oregon State. And number 21, Wazoo. I'm picking Wasu to get the win at home. With the home field advantage, they win the Pac-2 championship. Ohio State at Notre Dame. It'll be number six at number nine. I think Notre Dame definitely wins this one. 
not definite, but it'll be close. It'll be probably close, and maybe Ohio State gets the win on the road, but I've been impressed with Notre Dame so far. I think that they will win outright against Ohio State. Memphis Tigers at Missouri Tigers. The Battle of the Tigers. I'm picking Memphis to go on the road in SEC country and get a big-time win. UCF Knights at Kansas State Wildcats. Big 12 opening week, Kansas State wins at home. Number 17, North Carolina at Pittsburgh Panthers. With Drake May and all, I think North Carolina definitely wins outright. If there was a spread, I might go with Pittsburgh because of their defense, but I'm picking North Carolina outright any day. So there you have my picks, and hopefully they go well this week. I'm 18-12 and 12 so far in regular picks and 15-15 and 15 in spread picks. So, looks like I'm doing alright, but I could be doing better in both of the categories. College football's full of upsets in the first few weeks, let me just say that. I've definitely picked my share of upsets this week, and I think there will be some. So you gotta check out college football this week. And Gabe's game is going to be Colorado at Oregon. Thank you very much for listening to Game Day with Gabe. Gabe the Babe is lit, and I'm always happy to share my insights into the college football world. I have a special invitation just for you. If you like this podcast, please share with a fellow friend and a fellow avid Cougs fan. I'm trying to make it to a thousand listeners on Spotify, so if you could share on Spotify, that would be preferable. If I can make it to a thousand Spotify listeners, then I can put in ads and keep this podcast going. And Gabe the Babe will be here to stay. Thank you so much for listening. As always, go Cougs! <laughs>